Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, From the Office to Home, Large Scale and Rapid Fire. I'm Tammy Cooper, and today we're joined by Karen Whitney, Chief Operating and Financial Officer for National Education Partners. Karen, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us about quickly moving a workforce from office space to remote work. So tell us a bit about your organization, Karen, the teams you work with, and the number of people that comprise each team. Well, first of all, uh, thank you, Tammy, for um, involving uh, national education partners in this uh, podcast series. It's so exciting. You know, I would say uh, NCU does uh, virtual so well, and we're happy to partner with NCU. So to specifically answer your question, uh, National Education Partner is a service provider to three universities within the national university system. There are about 430 people at National Education Partners who are primarily based in our Scottsdale, Arizona office that needed to move from the office to remote environment. Uh, This composed of uh, back office uh, personnel like accounting and finance, um, and also I'll say customer facing functions like student support teams, um, as well as, uh, you know, um, enrollment, marketing and IT. Great. And I understand that you recently shifted all your teams from working in the office to working from home. How many people did you transition? Yeah, we transitioned uh, 430 team members. Some of these team members were already used to sometimes taking their laptop home and working, uh, you know, a day remote or whatnot. But the majority of our team members were used to being in the office and had desktops. Uh, So the transition for them was even larger. Wow. So over 400 employees. How long did that transition actually take? So, you know, with the whole coronavirus, uh, you know, situation, we started looking at, you know, what things could go virtual um, about a week before we really started executing the plan in robustness. Uh, And, you know, when we did that initial inventory, um, you know, luckily we had set up all of our technologies to really to be cloud-based or able to access through VPN. So we were able to say through all of this that, um, you know, our technology supported working virtually. So once we made the decision uh, we could go Monday, uh, we finished the transition of getting everyone out of the office in four days by Thursday. That's re- that's really incredible to hear um, that you were able to make that transition of, of over 400 people within that 48-hour time frame. It's really amazing. And what were your top three considerations as you began to make this shift? So I'm going to answer this more at a leadership level. Um, I think that, you know, other podcasts will also talk about things in a more detailed level. And, you know, there's depending on your level within the organization, you know, you'll have different points of view on this. Uh, But at a high level point of view, um, I want to share with you a quote from James excuse me, James Lane Allen. He's a novelist. And I think this really applied well to the situation. It talked about adversity does not build character, it reveals it. So when we thought about the considerations to consider, we really wanted to make sure that our team members um, could see us as leaders, not drinking from the responsibility, but embracing the challenge. Um, And that we created appropriate project teams and empowered people to figure this all out. Um, and, you know, constant communication. So 
with all of that in mind, our top three considerations were safety for our employees very first. Then second, how do we get them remote in terms of equipment and planning? And then um, throughout all of that, we're always looking to service our customers, our students. And so trying to enable as much student support and productivity through the change. And how did you prepare your workforce for such a dramatic change in that short amount of time? So at the senior leadership level, we had a project team. And, you know, it's really important to think about um, project management and a project team that encompasses leaders from all areas. This way, you're able to take into consideration kind of all of the unique specifics, um, as well as really making sure you're having robust communication um, across all of your leadership team. Uh, we were also responsible for communication with our customers, um, our students, and also our employees. So we communicated through a lot of different venues, uh, which included email, uh, video, kind of, you know, in-person walking around as leaders, um, and also we used texts. And we uh, committed to communicating two times a day, um, and we were keeping that communication strong during the entire time of transition. Um, and now that we're all remote, uh, we're now changing to more of a ad hoc communication um, process. Uh, this week, uh, one week remote has already been two times. Um, maybe it'll be three by the end of the week. Uh, and just, you know, the, our teams need to continue to hear from the leaders about what's happening and how we're reacting. And so what was the greatest challenge with the transition? So as I mentioned earlier, um, luckily our IT systems were set up to support being able to work remotely. Uh, so our constraint was having enough headsets. And, you know, you may laugh at that because you go, okay, you know, your employees probably have headsets at work, you know, to do their jobs. Then the answer is yes. Um, they had headsets that worked with their phones. They didn't have headsets that worked with their desktops. It was a different type of cord. Uh, so we had to uh, quickly procure headsets and, you know, we were not the only company out there trying to procure headsets. So we had to get very creative and how we found all the headsets we needed. And, you know, I would say while we were in the process of procuring those headsets, we were constantly prioritizing um, who had the right type of equipment to be able to go remote. So, you know, the first day was people who didn't need headsets at all. And the second day was, you know, people who had um, maybe headsets available at home. And then the, the remaining days was, okay, we finally procured enough headsets, how to get you home. Um, and, you know, we ran into some issues and I'll just share with you a piece of advice if you're looking to do this yourself is um, people uh, want to get prioritized first. And there was kind of like, I'll call it like a rush to the door. And one of our leaders had a great line that I think kind of helped keep the calm. Uh, what she shared is, do you remember when you were in elementary school and you were all lined up to leave the building to do a fire drill? They didn't allow you to run out the building all together, like all on your own. You had to have it in an orderly fashion. And so the more we can, you know, communicated calmness and order, that allowed everyone to get out safely with all the equipment they needed. Thank you, Karen. That's great advice. Um, as you reflect on the events of the last few weeks, what was um, what was what best practice will you keep for next time? 
you know, when we went into this, we said, you know, we're reacting to this in a, I'll call it an emergency kind of point of view, like everyone is, you know, to being able to respond. And so you make different decisions in, call it an emergency point of view, than you do it in a long-term point of view. Uh, You know, so like, for example, you know, this remote working isn't permanent, and people are in different situations than a normal remote working relationship, right? They're at their houses with their families. Um, and, you know, a normal remote working relationship doesn't have essentially family members, you know, kids there um, during the day. So, you know, we went in with the mindset of what do you need to get done right now to react to this situation um, and to make sure that we're being extra sensitive to the home environments. Um, and I think. You know, we're going to use the insights we get from this to be able to then say, hey, um, what do you do going forward in a different kind of, you know, more permanent situation? But, you know, you need to take, um, you know, each thing at its own time. So it's easy to stay connected when you work in an office with your colleagues, but without the ability to chat over coffee in the lounge, how do you see your teams remaining connected? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're lucky to have um, a strong community and um, we're using kind of each person's resourcefulness to figure out kind of techniques um, amongst their respective areas and then um, being able to share insights with each other. So some of the things that we're doing um, are like daily standups. So people are logging on on Zoom meeting for you know, whatever, 30 minutes, uh, everyone on camera to the extent possible and really talking about how things are doing. Um, we are uh, sending out motivational videos. Uh, we made a little podcast on work from home tips from each of the different leaders. Um, each of us are kind of sharing in our kind of individual one-on-one conversations, you know, what they have learned from all of this. Um, And uh, we are also, um, people have tried uh, essentially like a coffee um, office hour on Zoom where people just log in for a few minutes and, uh, you know, are able to kind of keep engagement. Uh, We've also rolled out Microsoft Teams. uh, And so Teams has a way of being able to collaborate as a group and also kind of a chat individually. Uh, So that way we're trying to keep, um, you know, various kinds of connections. Well, Karen, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your experience with rapidly shifting large teams to remote work. We appreciate your insights and we know our listeners will benefit from your experiences. Thank you, Tammy. I really enjoyed participating.